Chapter Eight of Order Number Eleven. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. Order Number Eleven by Carolyn Abbott Stanley. Chapter Eight: A Spirited Maiden. Virginia Trevelyan, in her becoming riding habit and jaunty cap was riding at a leisurely gait along the road that led from dr lay's to keswick in her lap was a bundle which explained her errand but whose dog-eared contents could never have been guessed from its neat exterior with the same enthusiasm that had engineered a chicken funeral or a baptizing in her youthful days virginia had undertaken to provide books for the loom house academy she had ransacked the garret and bookcase at home for old primers spelling-books readers and whatever else had the alphabet in it and most books had in those days and this afternoon she and sally had done the same thorough job at dr lay's she must have been pleased with the result for she was smiling to herself at that or something it was probably something for that search among the old books with gordon lay's name in them had brought vividly to mind the days gone by when they had measured the flight of time by the page of webster's spelling-book and the height of their attainments by the reader they were in those old books had a good deal of scribbling in them she found a large part of it hers and she was thinking that she would look over them to-night with an eraser before they were put into circulation miss abby might get hold of them old school books tell so much more than their authors ever dreamed of sally had shown her a letter from gordon and there had been in it a note to herself which she had slipped in her bosom forgetting she had a pocket she was trying to recall the exact words of something in that note twice she started to take it from its hiding place and each time she stopped i won't i'll wait till i get down to the old grapevine tree she told herself that was where she always read her letters from him he was getting along finely at transylvania he wrote but he missed the prairie just as she had reached this decision for the second time a slight sound came to her ears and she looked back a man on a white horse was emerging from the timber which she had just passed through with a quick frown she gave rob roy's bridle the jerk that started him into a rack she did not wish to appear to be running away she said to herself distinctly that she was not but she meant to get to the fork of the road before amon's baird did but the hoofbeats behind were coming nearer and without once looking around she threw rob roy into a lope her head erect and a red spot on her cheeks she was determined to make that fork in the road first she did but to her surprise the white horse did not take the road going down to the old baskin place in a moment he and his rider were beside her good aft good evening said a well-oiled voice which sounded for all its smoothness as if it might rasp when the time came oh good evening said virginia politely she had been beaten but she need not let him know it 
i thought once i heard somebody behind me they kept up an intermittent conversation during which virginia took herself severely to task Eamon's baird really never had done anything that she should feel so toward him why couldn't she treat him decently as her mother had said of course he was common and all that but then she made an honest effort to be civil but girls are queer compounds and contradictory the thing that virginia most disliked in Amos baird was that he liked her i suppose you hear from bev often he remarked and virginia instantly resented the familiarity do you mean my brother she asked the rebuff dropped from Eamon's Baird's coat of complacency like water from the back of one of his own Muscovies. Yes, I always call him Bev. Most of them do around the neighborhood, don't they? His friends call him that sometimes. Yes, we hear from him frequently. I suppose you hear from young Lay full as often, don't you? He looked at her with a glance that was meant for playful badinage but the man was clumsy and very much in earnest when the badinage reached her she took it for what it really was impertinent curiosity besides badinage must be between peers i suppose they hear from him she said coldly he was impervious to the change of pronouns but even he could not help perceiving the change of atmosphere he would not abandon the subject however for he had carefully planned it to lead up to his main proposition it must be pretty lonesome for you without the boys he pursued and it's lonesome down at the old baskin place all the time say virginia i've been thinking that that seeing you are lonesome and i am lonesome we might have you any objections to our keeping company this winter it was an innocent enough proposition couched in the language of his part of the country and his class but virginia had never even heard the expression and the idea of Eamon's baird presuming to call her virginia and to say such a thing anyway she was furious i don't know what you mean mr baird she said when she had found her voice through her astonishment and i do not care for any explanation if you will excuse me i will ride on as i am in something of a hurry her words were civil enough but her manner was a slap in the face she could hardly have put more contemptuousness into it moreover it put a quietus upon his hopes for the present at least the campaign upon which he had hoped to enter would evidently be unsuccessful the girl did understand every evil passion in the man was aroused he laid a heavy hand on her horse's bridle and brought him to a walk by god you won't ride on till you've heard me out he said between set teeth i guess there ain't any law against the man's telling a girl he likes her and wants to keep company with her let go my horse you wait till i let go my horse i tell you he tightened his grasp and gave a wicked leer into her white face they were alone on the road 
but if he thought to cow her thus he had mistaken the girl in her right hand was a riding-whip without warning she brought it down in a stinging blow on his hand he gave a howl of rage and pain and involuntarily his grasp relaxed had virginia been a less expert horsewoman she might have been in the dust at his feet after all for rob roy felt the insult of a blow dealt out to a meaner creature and leaped forward but she was braced for the leap and kept her seat though the package of books fell to the ground a swift glance over her shoulder showed that he was not in pursuit but for all that she did not draw rein till she was at the big gate at keswick her excited account of it was characteristically received and what did you do miss nanny asked breathlessly when virginia got as far as the stopping of her horse i gave him a cut with my riding whip why virginia exclaimed her mother and served him right miss nanny asserted stoutly such a man can't be reached except through his hide nan you are as bad as virginia when colonel trevelyan heard of it he fairly raged that a woman should be held up on the highway in such high-handed fashion seemed to a man of his birth and traditions to say nothing of his somewhat inflammable temperament a monstrous thing he got on his horse and rode straight over to the old baskin place Amon's baird had reached home and came sullenly out when called for by colonel trevelyan he stopped long enough to arm himself though and he held one hand across the red welt on the other he listened in dogged silence while the colonel used up five minutes and his extensive vocabulary in telling him what he thought of him and then he said with a sneer well you can call me out if you want to like you did the other man i ain't afraid to meet you it was an untimely recalling of the fact well known in the community but never adverted to that the colonel in his hot-headed youth had once met a man in mortal combat on the field of honor call you out he roared you let me tell you sir that a gentleman calls out only gentlemen i would sooner challenge your hound yonder but i'll tell you what i will do if ever i hear of your molesting a woman again on the public highway in jackson county be it my daughter or a negro wench i'll cowhide you within an inch of your life sir he drew out a yellow silk bandana and wiped his heated face things have come to a pretty pass if our women can't ride about the country without fear of insult from some blackguard of a fellow come here from the lord knows where for the lord knows what are we to have the methods of kansas turned loose upon us if so we'd better send for the kansas slayer and be done with it by the eternal a man like you deserves a bullet in the forehead why sir he stopped struck dumb by the look on the man's face during the first part of this arraignment Amon's baird had stood in sullen defiance the hot blood flaming in his swarthy cheek for no man however debased can hear such words from fellow-man without resentment but as colonel trevelyan finished the blood receded a grayish pallor crept over his face and a look 
a hunted look of abject terror into his eyes he drew back and glanced quickly over his shoulder with an involuntary movement of his hand toward his head he seemed almost to have forgotten his visitor but when colonel trevelyan had turned his horse's head and he stood alone amon's baird remembered all those stinging words that had fallen like blows upon him and the blood came back to his face with a rush and a malignant gleam took the place of the terror in his eyes he shook his clenched hand after his departing visitor with a gesture of menace and his face was that of a bad man who means mischief by god he said hoarsely i'll pay you for this old man if it takes me forty years colonel trevelyan said little about the interview when he got home and nothing at all of the thing that he recalled about it with the most interest but he pondered over that look deeply it had been a random shot but it had brought down the game could it be possible that amon's baird was nonsense End of chapter eight recording by john brandon